Welcome to Foothills Youth Podcast, where we help people follow Jesus. I hope these resources are a blessing to you. We are a student ministry based out of Northwest Calgary, and our hope, our desire, is that we see students become resilient disciples in a post-Christian nation. So may this podcast just be a blessing to you in your journey. All right, welcome Foothills Youth. Thanks for joining us again this week. Uh, last week we were talking about calling. We started our conversation about that, uh, and some of the um, some of the pieces that we or some of the blocks that we put in place that cause us to um, not necessarily hear our calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but something I want to talk about this week is sort of who we're called to, um, and it's something that uh, I think is very very relevant um, and uh, we'll build on some of the building blocks from last week so yeah welcome this is uh, this is week two of our apprentice apprentice series I'm Nick Kennedy and this week I'm joined by a very special guest and one of my very close friends Alex Polito Alex welcome to the podcast thanks Nick really appreciate you having me on man yeah totally so we've uh, we've known each other for what about seven years now yeah, yeah, quite a while actually. And I'd say we've had some pretty pretty fun experiences together. We've yeah. uh what we had to share a bed that one time up in Edmonton when we were leading the, yeah, got the nice Nazarene and snuggly. <laughs> the Nazarene worship worship <laughs> yes. weekend or whatever that was and That's right, yeah. Um yeah, had, had one some or, one or two theological discussions, a handful yeah. of hockey discussions. Oh yeah, who's the who's better, the Leafs or the Habs? You know, right? And that's pretty clear. It's the Leafs, and that's okay. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, you know, we've played hockey together, and and yeah. uh, had some good times playing with the playing for the Ambrose Lions. Just really high quality yes, hockey. Sir. Oh uh, my goodness! Yes, just amazing. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I thought for our listeners, I'd ask you a couple questions, and and maybe they can get to know you a little bit better. Um, yeah. So I've got I've got four kind of four good get to know you questions. I feel like they're very deep. Um, they they really kind of get to the heart of of who you are. So question number one is um, is a hot dog a sandwich, and why? I've heard this question thrown around here and there. Um, my answer is yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily believe in, so I've heard a few arguments, right? Of course you hear like the bread and then the meat is between the bread and mm. I've heard that, but the counterpoint that I hear to that, which I think is quite weak is people say, well, the bread has to be horizontal, right? Gotcha. Whereas a hot dog, the bread kind of goes vertically on the sides of the meat. Well, sure. I mean, I don't think it matters. I, I, I don't see it that way at all. So right. my answer is yes, a hot dog is a sandwich. Uh, it's really hard to get around that one. You have bread, meat in between. You put your condiments on top and you take a big old bite. Yeah, I happen to agree. I, I don't believe that wrist rotation uh, is enough to consider something not a sandwich. Um, <laughs> I think that if, uh, if a hot dog isn't a sandwich, then neither is a sub. That's an excellent point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, well, good. Moving on then to our next uh, very deep philosophical question. Mm-hmm. If you could combine any two animals, what would they be? Wow. Um, you know what comes to my mind right away? That would be really scary. It would be like a panther with like a narwhal. Ooh. So you have like, you have like this apex feline predator and then you just stick a giant spear on its face right like that would be terrifying that would be horrible and i mean like it makes sense they're both mammals right so Mm -hmm. perhaps it increases the panther's ability to be vicious both in and out of the water man i've seen panthers um take down like crocodiles those things are crazy oh for sure imagine just giving it some extra you know weaponry Absolutely. That, that I mean, I can't even imagine having a, a saber <laughs> yeah. on the front of a panther. Uh, okay. Um, well, moving on then to our, our third, um, 
our third very deep and philosophical question. Um, and this one is very telling for um, kind of who, who you are as a person. But um, the question is, how much would somebody have to pay you for your pinky toe? My pinky toe? Okay, well, I know that, like, I know that, like, you're, if you lost your big toe, for instance, you pretty much wouldn't be able to walk, right? It's like right. we kind of, we kind of undervalue our toes. Now, what I don't know, though, is how much does the pinky toe matter in, you know, relative to the rest of the toes? I, I don't know. But if I had to put a number to it, uh, I would say we're, we're in... We're in the high six-figure mark, for sure. Yeah, high six figures, low seven-figure mark. Maybe breaking a million bucks a little bit there. Because for my career as a pastor, you know, or if I'm ever going to work in a seminary one day or something like that, man, I don't need to stand. I'll sit behind a desk. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I, and, you know, I've heard, and I, I, I can't speak to its, um, to its accuracy, but I have heard from a number of different sources that that many, many, many years ago and over the generations, human pinky toes have actually gotten smaller due to a lack of use. Um, really? That's, yeah. see, that's very interesting. Now, I, I've heard that they're still rather important, which, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, but you would think that if something is is literally shrinking over generations because of lack of use yeah that i don't know maybe you could get a few dollars for it yeah you know what like uh, i don't know maybe i maybe i'm overvaluing the pinky toe then but i mean hey if you're gonna cut something off of me i i need a little bit of cash flow in, in return right for sure i i agree well um, those are, those are all of our deep and philosophical questions, but just one good get to know you question is what is your favorite topic or thing, uh, to study? Oh my goodness. Uh, hands down, it would be, uh, well, biblical studies for sure. Uh, like it, that's pretty much a no brainer for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's a really broad topic. I would say right now, what I'm really enjoying is, uh, Roman and Greek influences on the New Testament. Interesting. Yeah. And where where are you at with that right now? What what's something that you've kind of come across lately? Uh, one thing in particular. So I, I preached a few weeks ago, um, back at around Easter. So Palm Sunday, week before Good Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Um, I spoke about Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and in doing a you know, my research when I'm reading a few papers, um, diving into the Greek a little bit, um, what you come to find is that Jesus' entry into Jerusalem is a picture uh, given to us uh, by, by the gospel writers as a, uh, you could say, like a Roman general entering Rome uh, triumphantly. In fact, the word triumph, uh, we get that from ancient Greek, ancient Rome. Uh, and basically it means after a great general has gone and conquered something or done something amazing and they're returning back to Rome to be celebrated. And so Jesus is kind of pictured to us by the gospel writers as like a, a better Roman general. You know, he is like the best general you could ever have kind of thing. Right. So it's this really cool picture. I love it. That's really, really interesting. Um, that's not something that I, I would have known. Um, cool. Well, those are, those are some good questions. You know, I felt like they were, um, they were well thought out questions if I do say so myself. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, very indicative of, uh, kind of where, where personalities fall on whichever test you're using and, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, well, I thought, uh, you know, with this, this week where, we're continuing our conversation that we began last week on calling and, and I, I want to follow it up by exploring who we're called to and what calling looks like on our life throughout the many different seasons of life. And, and I know you've got a really interesting story that's full of, of, um, 
different kinds of callings and different adventures that, uh, uh, you know, aren't necessarily things that a lot of people have experienced. So I thought mm. that a cool way to sort of start off this podcast would be um, if you could take a few minutes and just sort of um, talk us through your story um, about your story of coming to faith and, and the plans you had for your life versus the plans God had for your life and, and, and now moving forward, the, the plans that God now has for your life and, and how those have changed over, over time. Sure. Yeah, I would love to, uh, I'll try to keep it, you know, short. So I'll try to trim off all the fat here, but, um, long story short, more or less, I, I was born in Ontario. Um, you know, actually there's two God's Ontario country, boys right? on this, on this podcast yeah, right that's, now. That's hey, what I'm saying. So. People don't seem to realize that that's really the promised land. Yeah, the greater Toronto area is act the actual promised land from the scriptures. Um, you know, if you, if you dive into the Greek or the Hebrew there, it really means Toronto when it yeah. says the promised land. So. Milk and honey roughly translates that's to smog and right. concrete. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was, I was born in, in uh, the Kitchener-Waterloo area, uh, and that's where I grew up in the in you know that southern toronto area but uh it's just me and my brother and that's where i grew up i played all my hockey there so as this will become a bigger part of my story as i progress here but hockey has been a huge part of my life um i have i've played hockey for over 20 years um and so it was one of those things where when i was you know, very young, my dad put, put both my brother and I into hockey. And it was, wasn't really one of those things that we had much of a choice about. It was like, you know, like we're, we're going to play hockey. It, this is how it's going to be. Um, and I didn't like it for a really long time hmm. until I was 12, 13 years old. Um, until I kind of started to hit my stride a bit. Um, I guess no pun intended. And started to figure out who I was as a player and everything like that. Um, but it was one of those things where, uh, in the summers or weekends or any time that my brother and I were not at school, we were on the ice. Um, in fact, people don't believe me when I say that, like eight hours a day, we would be on the ice practicing hockey. And so I can't really, um, overestimate to you how, uh, how much of a part of our lives it was. And, Basically, when I got to uh, 16 years old, my parents got a job opportunity out in Calgary. So knew I was going to make a move from Ontario to Calgary. And I had asked myself what was going to happen with hockey. At that time, I had uh, I just played for the Brantford 99ers because uh, that's where Wayne, Wayne Gretzky's from, Brantford, Ontario. Yeah. So, of course, my team was called the 99ers. Um, and that was midget triple a um i was playing i was i was an underage player playing up a few years and ended up getting drafted uh by the Sudbury wolves and uh so i really had to ask the question like hey which way am i going you know and at this point in my life i had zero um zero background with faith uh i i think at this point i believe there was a god but i had no idea what that looked like or nor did I really care. Um, <clears throat> so that's just kind of how it was. I was mainly focused on hockey, but I did make the move to Calgary, um, but ended up going and playing for another team down in Denver for a bit. Um, kind of did that whole works, but ended up coming back to Calgary and kind of settling down there and played my junior hockey there. Um, uh, so you know, it, it was, it was a huge part of who I was, right? You know, we talk about identity. Mm -hmm. I, I was hockey, right? I, hockey was a part of me. Um, I only surrounded myself with other hockey players or other people who were hockey instructors or coaches, all the sort. And basically what happened was after I moved to Calgary, I was playing at a level which, uh, you know, you're looking to play professional hockey. And um, uh, my neighbor, uh, this was, you know, summer of 2011. So 
about 10 years ago, uh, my neighbor, I was shooting pucks in my garage. My neighbor came up, she introduced herself to me and uh, she basically invited me to church. She's like, hey, you know, I know you're new to town. I know you're, you're playing like this fancy dancy hockey, but if you wanted to meet new people in Calgary, you should come to my church. And I was like, yeah, okay, you know, giving her the pleasantries, right? Right. But I wasn't interested at all. Um, but she persisted. <laughs> and I don't necessarily think this is a model for evangelism or anything, but sure. she, was, she was very persistent um, and continued to ask me if I wanted to go and go to her church and meet her youth pastor and all this kind of stuff. And I eventually relented because... I think it was mainly out of just being annoyed of this person. Um, and you realize that youth pastors are probably the coolest people ever. Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't know, but as soon as I, <laughs> as soon as I met a youth pastor, I was like, wow, yeah, these guys are awesome. You know, <laughs> that, that was 100%. This is not a lie. Nick did not tell me to say that. Um, so <laughs> it is true. <laughs> But, you know, uh, honestly, like I really did connect with this guy, this youth pastor. He was very good at, uh, as you might say, like coming down to my level, right? And just understanding the journey I'm on and who I am and where I'm from. And he didn't force me into anything, but I ended up going to youth group. Um, so, again, I don't want to make this, this, this section too long, but uh, I basically went to that church and started to meet folks and like, there's something different about them that I, I wasn't meeting in the hockey world. You know, I was doing a lot of travel at that time. I was in, I was trying to finish high school. Um, and you know, I was in and out of town traveling basically all over Western Canada. Um, and it, it was hard to stay consistent going to that church, but every time that I was home or if we had a stretch of home games, I wanted to be, uh, going to that church to hang out with the, with the people there as I started to make friends. And as I said, they were just very different in, in a good way from the people in the hockey world. You know, they seem to like actually care about you type of thing. Right. Like, you know, the kind of thing where someone asks you like, Oh, like, how's it going? You know, we say that all the time. Well, how are you doing? How's it going? But most of the time you just kind of say that as a greeting rather than actually wanting to know, like, how are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Where, yeah. Whereas when I was going to this church, like when people would ask me, like, how are you doing? How's hockey going? Like they took a genuine interest in, in me. Um, so that's kind of what kept me going there. Now, fast forward um, a little while, a few months, as I've been going to this church, playing hockey. <clears throat> um, this church's youth group uh, was going on a missions trip to China. And they were going to put on a go put on a summer camp and help some families that needed relief from an earthquake that they had back in 2008. Um, and I thought it would be sweet to go, but I wasn't a Christian. Um, and so there was an inter there were, were like interviews being held to go on this uh, missions trip because a lot of people wanted to go and they could only take so many people. And in the interview, I remember very, very specifically this youth pastor is him and his wife were leading it and they asked me questions about my faith but i didn't have a faith <laughs> and so i just lied to them uh i just straight up genuinely made every single thing up and made it sound real nice and polished so that i could go on this missions trip very fluent now, in christianese yeah, yeah 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 yes absolutely absolutely use that total like christianese language just to make it sound like I had it all together and whatever. Right. Right. Now I was close enough with this youth pastor that I'm sure he knew that. <laughs> like, he, I don't we, think I, we usually do like, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. People think that they're lying to us and getting away with it, but usually That's like right. we've, we figure it out. That's right. Yeah, it, exactly. And now that I've, I've been um, a youth pastor for three years. I, you know, now I, I know, and I look back on that. I'm yeah. like, yeah, he probably knew. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, but I thought I, in my own mind, of course, I thought like I really got away with it because I, I was selected um, to go on this missions trip. 
And I was like, wow, you know, um, but of course in hindsight, hindsight's 2020. And I know that this was really God working and kind of getting me on this journey. Um, and I was in some sense supposed to go on that, on that missions trip. Uh, and you know, I, I had to kind of make it work with hockey because this was coming to the off season and we would be gone during the off season. But of course, you have to do all your training and stuff like that. It's very important to be uh, keeping up with yourself, being on the ice all the time, trying mm -hmm. to improve your skills. Uh, and as I said, like at that level, like we're talking, we're talking tier one junior A, uh, you are looking to play professional hockey likely afterwards or to go um, and get a scholarship somewhere that type of thing. So it was very, very important to stay up with it. And this was going to take about three weeks out of my off season, which was a huge deal, but I really wanted to go on this trip. I just felt kind of compelled to go. Um, and so basically we went and I had experienced on that missions trip, um, a, I, I don't know exactly the right words to put to it other than you could say like a spiritual awakening in uh, the sense that I think the Holy Spirit just really in, in China began to um, speak to me there. And I felt for the first time that all of this church stuff, all of this Christianity stuff, all of this Jesus stuff that I had been hearing about, like this might actually be real. And there was another guy on the missions trip, and I, I actually forget his name now, but he was thinking about being a pastor. And I remember this youth pastor saying to him, um, yeah, like, I, I really think you could be a pastor. You seem to have a pastor's heart. And that term has stuck in my head for the last 10 years, pastor's heart. I don't know why, but I remember in China when I heard that phrase, I thought to myself, I want to have a pastor's heart. And I think the Holy Spirit in some sense said, okay, if that's what you want, I will give you a pastor's heart. I'll give you a heart to care for my people. Uh, and it was there in China that I, I actually said, like, I said yes to Jesus, more or less. I, I said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be a Christian. I, I want this life. I want to make a difference. Um, and basically came back to Canada wanting to be a pastor. Now, it was in that same off season where I decided that, um, I wasn't going to play anymore. I was going to play hockey anymore, which was a, a, a huge decision for me. Um, again, being so close to being able to, you know, potentially really make a career out of hockey. Um, that was, that was tough. That wasn't easy. And that wasn't easy with my family. Um, it, it was difficult. It was, I think in some sense, it wasn't understood. Um, but you know, kudos to my parents. Now they, they absolutely support what I do. And, and in a lot of ways, they've always supported me, but you got to understand that that was not easy for my family, for me to say, Hey, uh, you know, I don't want to do hockey anymore. In fact, and not, not only do I not want to do hockey, but I actually want to go to Bible school. Um, <laughs> it was just such a strange transit transition, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, basically asked my youth pastor, what, what university should I go to to get a Bible degree? He recommended Ambrose and I applied to Ambrose. And in, in that sense, that was my journey to faith. I literally went to Bible school without even knowing like the difference between the New Testament and Old Testament, basically. Um, so yeah, that, like that, that, that is a huge chunk of my journey. That's now, awesome. Um, again, I'm sorry if I'm being too long winded here, but no, no. Um, now, uh, over the course of, uh, being at Bible school, it also wasn't easy because of course you're now it's the process of learning. Right. And I think in some sense for anyone that wants to go and receive theological education, you're, you're going to be stretched and you're going to grow and you're going to learn. Uh, for me, it was always feeling like I had to catch up to my classmates because a lot of people, um, had a church upbringing or a Christian background already, whereas I did not. So felt like learning on the fly a lot. And um, I think in, in a lot of ways that was difficult, but it was very fulfilling. Um, 
now where, where I'm at is uh, after receiving that education and actually going into ministry, I realized that I have a heart and God has given me a heart to teach the Bible to others. Um, because as I've learned, the Bible has come so alive to me. Um, and I, I, so, you know, that, that's kind of how God has continued this idea of having a pastor's heart in me, I think is like the desire to teach his word to other people. And to really open it up, you know, not like a surface level teaching, but like, Hey, let's really dive into what the words of scripture have to say for us. Um, so, uh, that has kind of led me to a point where now after three years of full-time ministry and being able to teach the Bible and, and grow my skills and passion, uh, I believe God's leading me back into education because I would love to um, teach in, a, in an official capacity in maybe a seminary one day. So that's now the route that I'm going on. But uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it, Nick. That's That's the journey. It's been crazy, but God has been super faithful the whole way. So from you know, Ontario born boy to, you know, almost professional hockey player to renegade in China, um, to Ambrosian and mm-hmm. then up to Hinton as a pastor and then back into education. That's, yeah. That, that's exactly it. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, obviously I, I, knew a little bit of your story going in and and that's kind of why I wanted to you know get you on our podcast this week because I I just mm-hmm. think it's it's such a it's such a powerful story of God's calling um and and it's not often that um pastors get to talk about a further calling in their own life um and it's something that I think um, something that I think is really powerful about your story is that y- you've been so open to the the changing call of God and and how and how His calling on your life, He is willing to change based on where your interests lie and and how um, it's like you're you, you know you seem to be working together and um, and I, I've I found that to be really really interesting like um, somebody like Andrew or I where we both kind of have a similar story where we grew up Christians in Christian homes and our parents worked in the church and then uh, we were called into ministry Um, and that's kind of been like at least for me my calling is is still that Um, whereas I find your story so interesting and, and powerful that you know you just you go where God calls all the time and and you know sometimes he changes his calling and and you just follow faithfully um, so I thought I thought man we have to get Alex on this podcast because yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna yeah be and I, I mean I, I appreciate that encouragement um, you know and it and it that's I don't want that to be necessary like romanticized though because like really it's not always um, sometimes it just feels like you're kind of going, uh, you're just going left, right, up and down, and you don't really know if you're even making the right decision. But I think as I've come to know, um, uh, my faith more, know God more, uh, know his son, Jesus more, I, I just trust that even, even though you may not know where you're going, or even sometimes you may not know who you are or how you fit into something, uh, God is still working for our good. Uh, and honestly, that just small Christian truth has been something that's stuck with me for so long now. Um, and I've been so appreciative. Yeah. Well, there's something in your story that I, I want to touch on. Um, you, you talked about having a pastor's heart. And I think that's that's awesome. I love that term. Um, what it embodies is is just amazing. Something that I think, and I don't know, I don't know where you stand on this, or maybe I, maybe I do, but um, I think that, you know, as the capital C church, which is not just you and me who are working in the church right now, but also students and parents and those who are listening right now. Um, yeah. I think something that we've done a, a really good job at is we've done a really good job at supporting each other 
within the church. But I think something that we could maybe do better at is reaching out beyond the church and, and reaching those who are, are still lost, who still need to be reached. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I think there is a, and, and this ties in with some a bit of study I was doing back in November. Uh, I went to a, an evangelism conference down your way in Calgary. And uh, it was excellent because when I went, I actually didn't, I think I didn't really understand what evangelism was in many ways. Um, and there's a lot of misconceptions around that. And this conversation of, okay, how can we reach and how can we not only serve people within our, our church, but how can we serve our greater communities and people outside of our church? Um, it was, it was absolutely fantastic. And, um, I think that, uh, for anyone that thinks that, uh, they may not be, you know, an evangelist, I went into something like that thinking, oh, I'm not an evangelist. I'm just called to, I believe I'm called to teach the Bible. I'm just going to stick to that, but we all kind of fit into that. And so, um, to, um, to echo your point, you could say, uh, I, I, I think you're hitting the nail on the head that maybe we need a better developed um, theology of evangelism. Maybe that's a good way to, to put it. Mm -hmm. uh, if that, if that makes sense to you, Nick. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, it's, it's stories like yours where I, I hear the, um, you know, the work of your neighbor, um, how she just kind of like reached outside yeah. of her comfort zone. Cause you know, I'm sure she wasn't as involved in, in, you know, hockey and, and the culture that goes along with hockey as you were at the time, like she was probably, you know, had her own, own thing going. And so mm -hmm. that reaching out of that culture into a new culture was something, you know, different for her. And. Oh, absolutely. It was, I know for a fact it was, and I'm, and, I'm, I'm appreciative of her to this day. Right. Just for her reaching out like that. Yeah, ex exactly. And, and so that's kind of the encouragement that I want our, our students and those listening to, to kind of take away from this podcast is that, you know, we are, we are called to God's people. We are called to, you know, the church, but we are called as well to, to those that are not yet within the church. Um, and I'm, I'm taking this from uh, the book of Mark and I'm just going to read a, a passage for those who are listening. Um, this comes from Mark chapter two and it's verses 13 to 17. Um, and this is right after Jesus calls um, Levi. Um, and this is what it says. It says, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and be he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector booth. Follow me, Jesus said, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for, uh, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked the, his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. And that's this passage that I'm I'm kind of studying through this week. And and you know I'm something that I've struggled with throughout my Christian walk, throughout my my relationship with Jesus, is comfort, and and I. I seek out comfort. I seek out um, stability. I like to know what's going on. I'm I'm the kind of person that likes to have a plan for my life. Um, I talked a bit about that last week. How I I like to know what's coming. Um, I like to know why, and I like to know that I'm going to be prepared. Mm. And, yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. Yeah. And I think something that something that that uh, inhibits is my ability to reach out beyond where I'm comfortable. Right now I work at a church and so I am most comfortable around uh, my friends who are mostly all within the church. Um, 
and I think that that has some benefits for sure because those who are in the church we can't turn our back on them um you know we still need support as well but i find myself often not as involved with those that need a doctor as i should be as somebody who is called and and really whether it's vocational ministry or not we are all called to um, some form of ministry, um, whether that is just sharing our faith evangelistically, discipling somebody, um, discipling a believer, discipling somebody who, who doesn't believe yet. Uh, we're all called to some form of ministry and reaching out to those that need it for some reason can be so much harder than reaching out to somebody that we know who's part of the church um, who who needs discipleship? Mm. That's uh, I, I think you I think you hit the nail on the head there, uh, Nick. Um, I I just think of uh, again, you know, thinking about my story right now, how this woman was so willing to uh, step outside of that comfort zone, right? I think you and I are very similar in that I love to have a plan. I love to know what's going on. I love to interact with the same people um, regularly, right? You know, you and I, for instance, we talk all the time. Uh, it's because not only are we good friends, but uh, that is also the comfortable thing, right? We, we love to talk with one another, play games with one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think of even just my overall life, how many times I interact with somebody outside of the church it's actually not nearly as often as it probably should be uh mostly everyone who i talk to actually is either a christian someone checking out our church or another pastor right um and so here it's like just such a great example in 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 mark as you said jesus is saying like hey i'm not here for the people that are already inside of the church more or less right but i'm I'm here for everyone else. Yeah, uh, I just exactly. I, I love that. I, I absolutely love that. Yeah, and it, it's it's a hard concept. Like, it, like it's it's an easy concept to understand, but it's a hard concept to execute. I think. Mm, um, yeah. And I've had to like, as of late, I've had to make like big changes to uh, to my life and what I like doing. Um, because I found personally that I was not as involved outside of the church as I felt uh, I should be. And not, not as a pastor, but just as a disciple, um, just, as, just as a Christian, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, kind of removing myself from that vocational calling for a minute. Just as a fellow Christian, I felt like I was not involved enough outside of the church um, you know, trying to find the sick, the lost, the hungry and feed them and, and, and help take care of them. Um, and so I've had to, you know, I've had to make changes and they're, they're not, they're hard changes, but they don't have to be like, um, unfun. I I don't know what the right word for that is, but like to, to sort of explain where my situation is at is, is, I want to get involved in my community and I want to be involved with, with non-Christians. And so something that I've done is I've, um, I've joined the Calgary disc golf, uh, club, which is a group of a few hundred people throughout Calgary, um, that enjoy playing disc golf together. I enjoy playing disc golf. And, uh, once in a while, you know, I'll go play with uh, somebody who I've met on at the Calgary disc golf club, obviously, quarantine has made that a little bit harder um but it's it's a way for me to to just kind of get out and and you know i've been with a few of the people um a few times um and i'm starting to build those relationships with them and and my hope is that one day they come to know jesus um and and you know it's not that i'm it's not that i'm out there playing disc golf and the whole time talking about Jesus, trying to convince them to believe, because I, I just don't think that's going to work. I think like we need to have relationships with people before, 
you know, we can speak into their lives because until then, who are we to them? We're, we're, you know, nobody that they would want to listen to. Um, yeah. And, and uh, so that's, that's, that's awesome. kind of where I've been at. I, I don't know, like kind of how you feel about that or, or, um, sort of ways that you found in your life that, um, you know, you uh, can, yeah, you know what? Um, actually, in a, in a, I guess in a very similar way. Um, well, one thing is, I think a great way if you want to reach other people, share your faith with people, or just share, um, you know, community and friendship with other people. Like doing things you love outside of your home uh, is such a great idea. So for you, disc golf, like that's just the perfect thing that you can do to get to know people. And when you get to know someone, it doesn't need to just be, hey, I'm I'm Nick the pastor. It's like, no, like, I'm Nick, and I love disc golf. And as people get to know you, then they see um, how your faith is important to you and those other things. So for me, how, how that's come about is uh, last year, actually, was a great example. Um, I was the assistant coach for the Hinton Wildcats Junior A Hockey Club. And... Um, that was an excellent way which I could uh, be involved in something that I love and that has been a huge part of my life. So hockey um, at a high level and, you know, coaching a high level. So it was serious. It was taken very seriously in, in our town. Um, and yet uh, I am not Alex, the pastor doing that. I'm just Alex, the hockey lover, um, coaching this junior hockey team and that actually led to uh, tons of opportunities where you're just you're on the road or you know you get to know the guys on your team uh, you see the same people around the rink all the time uh, those types of things and then conversations start to spread up right so guys on my team um, who I'm coaching they've been with us for a few months you you build a good relationship with them and suddenly on the bus, I find myself talking about my faith and what I do when I work at the church. And I've got like 10 top tier hockey players surrounding me on the bus, just listening to me and asking me questions. And, you know, that doesn't start again from you just walking into the rink and being like, hi, I'm Alex, the pastor here to tell you about Jesus. And then we can play hockey. It's like, no, you know, you just share something that you both love in common, build relationship. And then when you share, because people trust and respect you, you've built rapport with them. Um, you know, they, they want to listen. They want to hear about what you have to say. Uh, so, it, you know, those were great opportunities for me as well. Totally. And, and you know, the more I think about this passage, um, Jesus, he says that I've, I've, come for the, uh, I've come for the sick, not the healthy. Um, or rather that it's, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Um, the more I read this and the more I think about it, I almost feel like a better word would have been veterinarian and, (laughs) uh, you know, not that I'm calling our students animals or anything. Um, although (laughs) some of those guys, you know, our, our grade six boys here, they, uh, they have a level of energy, um, that I have not seen Mm. in years. Um, it's very impressive. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I almost think veterinarian is a better word. And and the reason I do is because if you've ever had to give, you know, you've got your your cat, Charlie. And, you know, I don't know if if you've ever had to give him any medicine before. But um, when I've had to give my pups medicine, um, usually the the way I go about it is not uh, running up to them and saying, guess what? It's time to take your medicine. It's going to be super gross and you're going to hate it. Usually <laughs> it's cut a piece of cheese and try to <laughs> stick the pill inside of it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, then, yeah, and then yeah. usually they'll be able to take it. Um, and you know, sometimes if, if I don't cut the cheese right or the cheese isn't thick enough, then the cheese gets eaten and the pill gets spat out. Um, yeah. It's like a special talent dogs have, I think. It really is. I, I don't know how they do it. Like the, I have seen some videos of people that they will put a whole ball of cheese in the dog's mouth. And I don't usually see dogs chew. Like if you ever kind of watch a dog, like get a treat that's soft like that, it's just, they just swallow it. And 
I don't know if they've got like an extra tongue somehow that like senses food within food. Um, yeah, I have no idea. They're incredible animals. That <laughs> like I wouldn't look at a ball of cheese and say, that's probably got a pit in it. I would just think, cool, that's a ball of cheese. <laughs> um, but somehow they know. And, and I kind of feel like that's a little bit more indicative of, of um, how Jesus is talking about uh, who we're called to as disciples uh, and who we're called to disciple in this passage. Because, you know, he's not saying go up to somebody and just try to give them the pill right away. You know, go up to somebody and, and just say, hi, I'm a Christian and I'm here to tell you about Jesus. That might work in some situations, sure. Um, mm-hmm. But the majority of people don't like taking pills, and the majority of people who have not been reached yet, um, you know, for example, like you you were saying with your wildcat boys, like if you were to just jump right up on the bus and say, my name's Alex, I'm going to tell you about Jesus, oh, also I'm your assistant coach, uh, all of a sudden those kids have checked out. They're they're not listening as, yeah, as hard as they were well. before. And, and so you building that relationship with them, that's the, that's the cheese around the pill, right? That's the, um, yes, that is a great analogy. Nick, did you come up with that on your own? I did. Yeah. Thank you. Um, that was kind of on the spot. Um, it is a gift. That's very good. I also haven't had lunch yet. And, uh, okay. See, that makes sense too. I'm kind of thinking about making some grilled cheese later. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, but you, you know what? I, 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 Absolutely love that analogy. It's so true. Um, I remember taking a, so this is now two years ago, if I'm remembering correctly, I came down to Calgary again, and I, I took a, just a one day course with uh, Bryce Ashland Mayo. He's a pastor at uh, Westlife. Yeah, great guy. In Calgary. Yeah, awesome guy. He teaches sometimes at Ambrose. He's a mentor of mine. And so he, and, and his big thing is kind of like how ministry and social media how faith and social media, that dynamic can work together. Um, and when I took uh, his day course, it was on ministry and social media. But one of the things that he said that I really, really enjoyed is uh, basically now it, when we're in this age where all the information you could ever want is on the internet, um, we have to recognize that every single person that we come into contact with has probably formed an opinion on whatever you're going to say already, right? Mm. So whether so and and that is probably especially true for faith and religion and theology, uh, who Jesus is and all those kinds of things, uh, whether the church is good or bad, you know, all of those things people will have probably read articles on or seen an opinion piece on or whatever, right? Because everyone, uh, that's one of like the hot topics. So we as Christians need to recognize like. Hey, anyone we approach and we want to share a faith with, or we want to show like, Hey, here's how amazing God is. And this is how, uh, this is what God has done for my life. Um, if we want to show that to people, we need to approach it in, in the idea that they probably have had um, either good or bad exposure to this stuff before. And that's a reality for them. They probably have formed an opinion on anything you're going to say. And so in a, some sense, we have to earn the right with people to share what we believe. Um, and that's, again, that's the cheese around, around the pill, I guess you could say, right? Yeah, that's awesome. I, I really like that. And, and it's so true. Like, you know, everybody really, I, I heard this as well from somebody, I think it was from, I think it was from Tim Moore. Um, but everybody is a, uh, Everybody is a theologian. Everybody has an idea about who God is or what God is. And if they're an atheist, then they've made up their mind. And so they've mm-hmm. done theological work. And that's the conclusion that they've come to. And so, yeah. in a way, they are a theologian as well. And, and that, you know, complicates it, but also is a great inroad to... to deeper conversation. Absolutely. I, I think that's an excellent point. I, 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 we were probably in the same class when Tim said that maybe because, uh, I remember him saying that as well. Such a wise guy, Tim, please come back to Canada. Yep. Yeah. Tim, we miss you. Um, for those watching, Tim Moore was, uh, one of Alex and I's professors. Um, and he is also pastor Katie's dad. Um, so 
for those of you who volunteer in kids ministry and are, are listening. Um, that's who Tim is, but yeah. So anyway, Alex, I just want to thank you for, for joining our podcast. Um, a couple final thoughts. I think, um, you know, it's, it's really important for us to realize that, that we are called not just to the church, um, but we are called to, um, to the world, to God's creation. Um, the church is, is amazing. Um, but the church is man's creation and, and the world is God's creation. And we are called to God's creation. We are called to, um, to serve those, um, who are in the world and, and, and to, uh, go to those who need a doctor. And, you know, I'm not saying that your life calling is to be a doctor. Mine certainly isn't. Um, maybe it is, uh, but our, our calling is to go to the people who, who need Jesus, um, as well as those who have Jesus and, and disciple each other. But, um, and also don't be afraid of a calling if it changes. Um, you know, you, you heard from Alex's story, callings change, uh, they change all the time. And, and, uh, if you are, are somebody who's graduating high school right now, um, and maybe you don't know what you want to do with your life. Maybe you don't have a clear picture. Maybe you're, you're even a, a leader or a young adult listening to the podcast and you don't really know what you want to do with your life. That's okay. Callings change all the time. Um, you know, I, I heard this from my youth pastor growing up, um, because everybody says that I, I can't remember exactly how he put it, but he said something like, um, you know, people say that God is going to, um, God is going to guide you. And that's true, but you can't guide somebody who's standing still. Uh, they're not going to move anywhere. There's, there's nothing to guide if you're just standing still. So, um, if you're, if you're in grade 12 or you're a young adult and you're thinking about, you know, what does my life hold? Um, I don't know what my calling is. I don't know where God is calling me and I've meditated on it and I've thought about it and I've prayed about it. And I, um, my encouragement to you would be pick a direction and and ask God to bless it and, and start walking and, and start going that way. Um, and eventually your calling is going to become clear. Um, it may be a calling for just a month. It may be a calling for a day. It might be a calling for the rest of your life, but callings, uh, they can change. And so it's not something that we need to be uh, fearful of. But Alex, once again, Thank you for joining our podcast. It has yeah, been... Nick, thank you so much for having me on. It was a blast. Yeah, tons of fun. Um, for those of you who are listening, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. Um, thanks for joining us on Wednesday as well for our youth live stream, um, which is chronologically happening after this or before. The, we, we're recording this before the youth live stream. I'm not sure... Um, we're breaking the fourth wall a little bit here, but that's all right. So thanks for all who joined us. Um, check in next week. We're going to have another live stream. We're going to have another podcast. Um, we've got morning prayer live on Instagram at 10 a.m. And uh, we look forward to seeing you there. See you later, everybody. <laughs>